Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It is uh, my honor to speak with my good friend Ron Miller again. Ron was on the air with us uh, last weekend, and we're back to talk about the last week. He's uh, dean at the Helm School of Government at Liberty University. He's the author of Sellout, Musings from Uncle Tom's Porch, U.S. Air Force decorated veteran, former official at Homeland Security, and African-American father who had the conversation black fathers have with their sons about dealing with police. Ron talked about that last weekend. His blog is Ron's, at Ron, or Ron's Reflections. Uh, Ron, thank you, uh, thank you for coming back on the show. And well, let me just quote from an email you sent me on Tuesday. Maybe we can start with that. And, and in a way, it goes to what I just talked about, people supporting something, an entity, in this case, political parties, simply because that's what we've always done. You wrote, one of the great challenges of resolving our thorniest social problems is overcoming our certainty that our personal life experiences constitute incontrovertible truth. And that is such a great line, and it talks about what we run into socially, legally, professionally, on a daily basis. And I think that is in some ways what has gotten, in some ways, what has gotten us to this critical mass situation where we are today. Thanks for coming back. Thank you for having me. Okay, uh, Ron, I think we're calling you on your mobile number, and it's not working, obviously. So, Lorraine, please call Ron back on the other number. Let's ask the studio to call, to call Ron back on the landline. Clearly, that was a mobile phone, and I don't know. It's been one of those days where things have just gone sideways on us, and um, technology is technology, and there's nothing we can do about it. There's no point in getting angry about it. Used to, didn't help a bit, so decided not to do it anymore. Remember, you can always send emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. And Twitter is at the Roy Green Show. How are we doing with with Ron? If you can't get him on the other number, then call him back on the one we just had. We will get this done. Ladies and gentlemen, a couple of times we've lost our signal. The phone hasn't been cooperative. What can I tell you? Um, what can I tell you? I can tell you that uh, among uh, the, the, another great line that uh, that Ron wrote in his email to me on Tuesday was, people lack the capacity to understand that the land of the free, for them may be two Americas, one white, one black, separate and unequal for others, as the Kerner Commission report said in 1968. Somebody talk into my ear, please, and let me know what is going on so I know. No, you're not going to tell me? Okay. Okay, so they're trying. I don't blame them. They, you know, <laughs> it's a rough ride in the studio. Yeah, have you got him, don't you, right? I'll get him on the air. It's a rough ride in the studio right now because, you know, we're broadcasting from home. We can't see each other. We're miles apart. And uh, Will and Lorraine are doing a great job. Ron, we just didn't, uh, the signal was just so bad on the phone and you dropped out on us. So uh, let's go back to uh, what we were talking about, and that is our own incontrovertible truth is what we believe in. Yes, absolutely. Um, I really believe that that's at the heart of a lot of things that we deal with uh, socially because we come to adulthood with a a variety of experiences, and those experiences leave an imprint on us. And if we don't allow ourselves to be humble enough to listen before we speak, 
we tend to think that the way we see life, the way we experience life, is the way that everyone experiences it. And I have to tell you that I'm no different in that regard. It was very late in life when I came to the conclusion that my good fortune being raised in a family, as you mentioned, I, I was not only a veteran of the military, my dad was in the military for 22 and a half years, so I had the advantage of a very protected middle-class existence provided courtesy of the United States Air Force, and I traveled all over the world. I got to see things a lot of people didn't see, and so my life experience was unique compared to some other people. So. Yeah. It wasn't until I found myself involved in the local community and interacting with people whose life experiences were dramatically different that I was forced to uh, consider that maybe my view of the world wasn't the view of the world. You know what I find really interesting? We talked about this yesterday. I went back and looked, and uh, this is Canada. Uh, I went back and looked at a poll that was done for Global News, our television network, our family, broadcast family, it was done by Ipsos Public Affairs, and it was an in-depth poll, Ron, on uh, on the issue of how Canadians view racism and whether we feel collectively in this country that racism is a major issue. And this was just 12 months ago. And uh, the poll showed, among other things, that 32% of Canadians considered racism to be somewhat of a problem. 37% considered it a minor problem, and almost 50% said having racist thoughts is okay and normal. <laughs> Stops you in your tracks, doesn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, a person I follow here in the United States, an author and uh, activist named David French, uh, wrote an article today talking about as far as we've come on the topic of race in America, we still have a far, far way to go. And you talk about experience being a change factor in his life. They adopted a child from Ethiopia. And prior to that, they didn't have a lot of exposure to some of the things that people say and do when it comes to race. But all of a sudden, with this child, they suddenly started having experiences and things that they weren't familiar with. Uh, people questioning uh, where her parents are when she's clearly got a, a ID tag that says she's allowed to be where she is. Um, people making comments about her heritage, sending uh, ugly memes to her and to the parents. And they suddenly saw a side of America that they hadn't seen before. And, and it's really fascinating to me um, how casually people can just say, well, it's not that way. I said, well, that's not where, that's not where you're living right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really important. And again, it's all about humility. If you don't have the humility to listen to another person's experiences, uh, then there's no way that you're going to be able to understand them. Yeah. And I think we're at that point. Last week, uh, we began talking about the fact that in 1968, when uh, the, the riots took place, and uh, anybody who was alive in the late 60s will not, never forget the visuals and the film, it was filmed then, of Detroit literally burning. So we have our own visuals and our own experience, and this generation will carry the last 12 days with them. Hopefully we will do something positive and make something really, really ch significantly changing, cha changing in our society. When we look, and I'll ask you to look at the last seven days because we talked last week, um, when we look at 1968 and we look at 2020, are those two situations essentially 
the same. In other words, as no progress, no fundamental process, pro- progress been made between 68 and 2020. I think what has happened is that you've seen a lot of progress made in the, at least up until recently, in the elimination of overt racism. But that doesn't mean that the systems and structures which were put in place over several periods of years were reformed because they, they, weren't, they weren't overt, they weren't visible. Um, we spoke one time about how uh, people, when it comes to employment, if their names seem ethnic in origin on a resume, that, that tends to have those resumes uh, ignored, but when the person in an yes. experiment changes their name to something more anglicized, all of a sudden they're getting opportunities for interviews. Yes, we did. Um, yeah. In fact, we had a young woman on the air from New Jersey who did that. She was black. Right. She was extremely qualified for the for the work, for the job. She had great results and great uh, endorsements from her employers. She was in the insurance business. She gave her real name uh, on the on the application and uh, prospective employers assumed that she might be black she had didn't get one didn't receive one job offer then she changed her name to uh, what appeared to be a completely sort of caucasian name and she had overflows of job offers i remember that now yeah yeah and i have a story to tell you from my college days when I was looking for an apartment as my college days uh, were coming to an end, I still had to stay in Lubbock, Texas for a little while. Heard an advertisement on the radio about new apartments. And I had a friend of mine, uh, a black woman, go over there to inquire about them. And she was told when she got there that that ad was dated and that there were no longer any apartments available. But then the very next day we hear the same ad on the radio. So out of suspicion, I went to some of my white friends in the Air Force ROTC program. I said, could you do me a favor? Could you go over there and pretend that you're looking for apartments? And they did. And not only were they told that there were apartments available, they were shown several of them. How does that feel? And Oh, man. <laughs> um, dehumanizing? Yeah. The, the realization that there were people out there that, and I mean, we reported them and they were certain and, and it was handled and all that. But I think one of the differences that you see between 1968 and now is that we did manage to handle a lot of the overt incidents of racism, but there was some there was some deeper work that probably needed to be done that was not done, and I think we may be seeing some of the manifestations of that right now. Have you noticed, have members of your family, have black friends of yours and your family uh, been treated differently over the past week? given everything that's gone on in the United States. Has there been a change, as I said earlier, on that proverbial street? There has, and I have to say it's been a positive thing in that a lot of my white friends, uh, people I associate with at my church and other places, have sent me either private or uh, public uh, posts on social media asking, first of all, how I'm doing in light of everything that's going on. They're concerned. And secondly, they want to know what they can do to be more helpful. They said they don't, they're tired of, of posting supportive messages and memes and things of that sort, and they would like to know what they can do to help. Um, I will share with you uh, when I get a chance uh, an article I wrote, which is sort of an outgrowth of that inquiry I was getting from people. You know, what, what, what do I think uh, they can do to help? And so um, that's been gratifying in a way. 
it becomes personal it then. That, it means that people are seeing what's going on and they're mm-hmm. being, their hearts are being stirred by it. I mean, it's easy for people to deflect from the core issues that are being dealt with, and I've seen a lot of people that are trying to do that. They want to they want to do what when I was in the intelligence business in the United States Air Force, they want to do that old Soviet propaganda technique where they would deflect from any atrocities we would point at uh, by the Soviet Union by saying, well, what about how the Americans are doing A, B, and C? Well, as my mother used to say, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Mother, I, mothers yeah. are wonderful, right? They cut to the chase. They're so wise. They are yeah. so wise. And I'm just grateful for the fact that so many people have come to, to me and wanted, wanted to know what they can do to help. And I'm not going to say that I have all the answers, but I'm certainly going to do my best to give them whatever perspective I can. And um, I'm, I, I work for a local nonprofit that's involved in uh, bringing black and white churches together to do good deeds in the community and by working together bring about reconciliation and healing. And we've seen an increase in the number of people who want to know more about our organization and what they can do to help. So, yeah, Interesting you bring that up because my, my, my next question was going to be this. You are a religious man. You and I have talked about that. And I was I wanted to know whether the church, whether religious groups, organizations, have done all they can and should at this time, and and do religious organizations still have a major influence on American life? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I will say first of all, there's more that religious organizations can do, um, uh, much more, um, because I believe that a lot of them are going to have to overcome their fear of, of controversy uh, or their fear of alienating members of their congregations. And they're going to have to stand for the things that the Bible speaks of when it comes to righteousness and justice for all people. And that's going to require them to talk about things that make a lot of people uncomfortable. It's going to require them to engage in uh, activities that maybe not everyone wants to participate in. So I think it's a watershed moment for a lot of, of religious organizations out there. Um, beyond that, oh, it, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if they can have any influence. I can tell you that in the black community, the church used to be a, not a cultural center, a center of political activism. It used to be uh, a, a powerful force in the black community. But I would say as, as uh, the young people of today look at the church, because the church has been uh, less engaged and, and less involved, and this can apply not only to uh, young black people but young white people as well, they don't see the church as effective as they used to. And, of course, the church has a long history of its own of either silence or complicity when it comes to a lot of the things that have happened in the United States with regard to race. So I still believe in the church. I believe that the church properly ordered is uh, an answer because there are no other institutions I know of that have the primary mission of inculcating virtue and values into people. Okay. That's a job of government. So I, I believe there's still an opportunity, but I don't know if they have... Uh, an opportunity to win this current generation over. Right. It's going to be take some hard work. Ron, thank you so much again for coming on today, and thank you for being my friend. I appreciate that so much. I learn from you every time we speak, and I, I mean that sincerely. Sincerely, you know that. If you want to hear more. 
Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 